welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Christmas Day, December 25th, 2017, on the basis of Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. Well, I'm guessing that by now you know what you got for Christmas. And so I have to ask, if anyone asked for or got what apparently was one of the most asked for and sought after gifts this year, a gift that even made it onto this year's list of Oprah's favorite things. Did anyone ask for or get a genetic testing kit? A genetic testing kit, like the kind that you can get from companies like 23andMe, is sort of a, a prime example of the big data era that we live in today. Not only is there all kinds of information about all kinds of things at our fingertips, but we have computers that can collect and can process and can analyze all of that information in remarkable ways. Take, for example, your DNA. Every cell of the human body has 3.2 billion lines of DNA in it. If you were to print them all out, it would take up 800 dictionaries worth of pages. And so it is no surprise that when the Human Genome Project began back in 1990, it took 10 years and $3 billion to finish the job. But now, just 17 years later, through these genetic testing kits offered by companies like 23andMe, they will collect your DNA. They will analyze your DNA. They will tell you why you have certain traits that you do. They will tell you a little bit about your ancestry. They'll tell you if you have certain health cautions that could be a problem later on. They'll even tell you if you are the genetic carrier of certain diseases. And all for about $200 with a turnaround time of about six to eight weeks. Truly remarkable when you think about it. And yet more and more people are realizing in this big data era that we live in that all of this information sometimes raises more questions than it gives answers. For example, with our DNA, now that it can be analyzed so quickly and efficiently, the next step, of course, is adjusting it if need be. And maybe it seems like sort of a no-brainer that if we can keep someone from developing a certain genetic disease like cystic fibrosis, we ought to do that. But take it the next step further. What if we get to the point where we can sort of engineer a human being to have denser bones and leaner muscles and a higher tolerance of pain? What if we can engineer a human being to have exactly the hair color and the eye color and the height and the nose shape that we want them to have? Should we? People are finding out in this big data era that there is a difference between data and meaning. There is a big difference between having all of this information and having the truth. And so it is with our God. On Christmas Day, the Christian church has on its agenda the topic of the incarnation. On Christmas Day, we sort of look at the gift that God has given us and we take a little peek under the hood to see what's really going on there. Gone are the cute and cuddly of Christmas Eve. Christmas Day is about the deep and the profound and the mysterious. And so as we talk about the Incarnation today, I'm hoping that it feels not like you're stuck in the deep end of the pool with marginal swimming skills, really struggling to keep your head above water, 
Rather, I'm hoping that it feels a little bit like a delicious cup of hot chocolate. It's good, right from the very first sip. But if you can make it all the way down to the bottom, that's where the really good stuff is to be found. And that's what we have in front of us today as we discuss the Incarnation. As the Incarnation ensures that we have not just a whole bunch of information about our God, but we have the truth about God. The Incarnation tells us exactly what we got for Christmas. So what is this word that I've been using? What does it mean, this term Incarnation? It's a word that the church has used for centuries to describe the miracle and the mystery of what happened at Christmas, that that God's eternal Son was born into our world and took on human flesh, that an infinite God became a teeny tiny baby, that an almighty God became weak and helpless, that an all-knowing God became someone who had to learn how to walk and talk and read and write, that the God who not only knows all 3.2 billion lines of your DNA, but was responsible for giving you those 3.2 billion lines, also became someone who had 3.2 billion lines of DNA in every cell of his body. Our creator became a creature. Here's how the writer to the Hebrews puts that. He says, The Son, Jesus Christ, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, the fullness of divinity wrapped up in humanity. That's the incarnation. Now, why is that important? Well, the reason that the writer to the Hebrews specifically highlights is that if Jesus Christ is in fact God and man, then Jesus Christ has fully revealed who our God is and what he is like to us. Here's how he puts that. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, you know how true that is. God revealed himself to people in dreams and in visions, in voices from clouds and in burning bushes. One time there was even a talking donkey that was involved. In all of those different ways, God revealed himself to his people in little bits and pieces. He gave them exactly the information they needed in whatever the given situation was. But but if Jesus Christ is in fact fully God and fully man, then no longer do we have just bits and pieces about our God. We have the full story. The writer to the Hebrews says, In these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. Now, these days, it's kind of sophisticated and enlightened to sort of say that no one really can know who God is or what God is like. In fact, since I've mentioned her already, let's pick on Oprah a little bit this morning. Oprah is sort of a leading voice in this new spirituality that is part of our world, a spirituality that says that God can be whoever you want him to. To be That no one really knows exactly who God is or what he is like, and certainly no one can say to another person that their definition of God is inferior or incorrect. If you want to sound like a, an enlightened, open-minded, forward-thinking sort of person, you'll, you'll say those kinds of things. Well, even before that is a direct attack on the Bible, even before that it is a direct attack on Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ really is who he said he is, then we have no problem saying that we know exactly who God is and exactly what God is like. The incarnation means that Jesus has revealed him to us. The incarnation means that Jesus has brought God to us. 
So you open up that Christmas present. You hold it in your hands. You, you turn it a couple of different ways. What is it? What do you see? When Jesus Christ reveals God to us, what do we learn about what he is like? Well, one of the things we learn about God from Jesus is that God is absolutely holy. In Jesus, the full purity, the full holiness of God comes on display. And when we look into that holiness and purity, sort of like a a mirror, we also learn a very important truth about ourselves, something that no genetic testing kit is going to reveal. Sure, those testing kits can maybe tell us a little bit about the traits that we have, maybe alert us to some health concerns that might ultimately cause our death. But there is a truth about us that isn't written into our DNA, and yet it is very much a part of the fabric of our being. It permeates us completely, it corrupts us totally, of course, it is our sin. That sin, not some genetic disease, not cancer, not a heart attack, that sin is what is ultimately going to bring about our death. And yet, thankfully, because Jesus became a human being, Jesus took on that humanity. Jesus brought his inherent purity to our humanity. And not only was Jesus himself pure, but because Jesus was born as one of us to live for us and to die for us, Jesus also brought purity to us. The writer says that Jesus worked for us the purification for all of our sins. And then after that, the writer tells us that Jesus was seated at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. Now, it might sound a little bit weird here on Christmas morning, which is sort of the start of Jesus' work for us, to be talking about when Jesus sat down at the right hand of God, which came at the completion of Jesus' work for us. But here's why it's so appropriate, and here's why it's so important. There's a story that's told about a shepherd who had two mother sheep who were about to give birth. The one sheep gave birth to her lamb, but the lamb experienced various complications and and shortly thereafter died. The other sheep gave birth to her lamb, and in that case it was the mother who experienced various complications and shortly thereafter died. So you've got a lambless mother and a motherless lamb. The solution seems obvious, right? So the shepherd brought the two of them together, but as soon as he brought that lamb to the sheep, the mother sheep smelled the lamb, realized that it was not her own, and so she turned away. So the shepherd came up with a plan. He found the body of the little lamb who had died, took its skin, made a little coat for the other baby lamb, brought that lamb to the mother again, and this time the mother smelled that lamb, recognized the smell, And rather than turning away, embraced that lamb, provided for that lamb, cared for that lamb. Now, in most cases and in most sermons, I think the application of that illustration sort of goes in one specific direction. Namely this, that when we approach God, we do so absolutely reeking of sin. And so God takes one whiff, and because he is pure and holy, he must turn away. The good news, of course, being that we can approach God, not all by ourselves, but covered up in the purity, in the perfection of Jesus Christ, and know that when we approach God, he will not turn away. 
And of course, that is absolutely true. The Bible very frequently speaks that way. That is the truth. But friends, the good news of Christmas is that it's just half of the truth. You see, the incarnation means that not only can we approach God covered up in the purity of Jesus, we can do that because Jesus has already approached God covered up in our humanity. When Jesus approached God after his work on earth was complete, he absolutely reeked of humanity. He was covered in it head to toe. Fully a human being as much as he was the day he was born in Bethlehem. But when he did, rather than turning away in a startling and unprecedented turn of events, God took a whiff and was pleased and sat his son down at his right hand. In heaven right now, there is one of us. The incarnation means not simply that Jesus has brought God to us. It also means that Jesus has brought us to God. I was a little bit startled and saddened to see another article that talked about one of the most requested items that little children especially were asking for this Christmas. Over in the UK, they did a study to find out what kids were asking for, and they found out that the 10th most requested item from little children was not some fancy new toy, not the latest gadget or gizmo. Apparently, lots and lots of kids this year for Christmas, all they wanted, all they asked for was a dad. Now, that maybe says a little bit about the state of affairs in our world and the condition of the family in our world. But even aside from all of that, it illustrates something very important about human nature. That no matter how much we try to talk ourselves out of it, no matter how much we try to stamp it out, there is a deep desire inside of us for family and very specifically for a dad. For one from whose loving and strong embrace we will never be turned away. Now, if you had a fantastic father growing up, that father is just a teeny tiny glimpse of what God your father has done and will do for you. If you had an awful father growing up or no father at all, it only intensifies in your heart that desire. And friends, because of the incarnation, the good news is that desire in our hearts for a father is filled. Jesus came to earth to let us into his family so that God could be not just our God, but our Father. Friends, that's what you got for Christmas. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.